Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And today we have for you an interview with Gail Honeyman, the author of Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. It was such a joy to get to talk to her about her book. It was. And Eleanor is such a memorable character. I was like, what is the mind behind Eleanor's uh, quirky nature, for lack of a better term? I know. And this book got buzzed a lot. And I will admit, I'm skeptical about books that are too buzzed. But I read this one and it blew me out of the water. I was, I loved it. I really did. It's just so adorable. It's so adorable. It's one of those just feel-good books Mm -hmm. that you just pick up, and it still makes some really important points, but it's just a a warm blanket wrapped around your soldiers. And it was actually the last book I read in 2017, and that was, like, the perfect way to go out. Yeah. I know. I mean, it is a very positive book despite handling a lot of really tough issues. So there's a good balance. It's not too heavy. Yeah, and again, Eleanor was one of the most memorable characters that I read last year, yes. and she's just a delight, and you're just sitting there laughing at, at the book because it's just so it's so funny. <laughs> it is, and the book is now out in paperback. Now is your time to grab yourself a copy of it. So without further ado, here's our interview with Gail Hunnaman. So today we have with us Gail Honeyman, the author of Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine. We're really excited to have you on the podcast, Gail. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So you're now in America and you're doing uh, your tour. So how has it been so far being in America and having your book received here? Um, it's, I've been here for just about 48 hours, I think, so I'm still getting over all the jet lag. But so far, so good. Yeah, it's been wonderful, and um, I'm so excited to uh, to travel around and, and to hopefully meet readers and talk to readers. And uh, yeah, it never gets old to see a copy of your, your novel in a bookstore, so yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I'm sure a lot of people we know have you know been reading your book and have absolutely loved it, and it's actually your... F- first novel and it's already been shortlisted for the Lucy Cavendish Prize in the UK and longlisted for the Women's Prize and won the Costa Award for debut novel. How long did it take for you to write this novel and how did you feel when you found out it would be published? Um, It took about two and a half years start to finish to write it um, because I had a full-time day job so I was just writing in any spare moment that I could find you know and a lunch break, I'd take a notebook to a cafe near my office and make you know note down ideas, um, or I'd get up ridiculously early in the morning and, and try and do a little bit uh, before I had to get ready for work. So um, yeah, up just two and a half, almost three years, start to finish to write it, and I had no expectations of what would happen with it. Really, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could write a novel. You know, start at the beginning and, and get to the end and manage a a piece of work of the magnitude of 80,000, 90,000 words. Um, I'd, I'd written short fiction before, which which isn't easier, actually very difficult, I think just as difficult, but it's right. more, you can accomplish things more quickly with short fiction, you know, if you start a short story, it's a, it's a reasonable time frame to, to finish it, to get to a point where you're, you're, you feel that you're happy with it. So I had no expectations, as I say, beyond just seeing whether or not I could write a novel and just manage something on that scale. 
and so on. And when it, when it, when eventually it turned out that um, it, someone wanted to publish it, I was I was so delighted, shocked, and uh, yeah, it's still I still pinch myself really. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like to have it win so many awards and prizes like right out of the gate? Well, I mean, it's just. It's a it's a dream, really. Again, it's something that I still I don't know what, how long it's going to take for it all to sink in. I'll probably you know wake up in ten years' time and it'll, I'll finally have, um, you know, the news will finally have sunk in. But yeah, it's it's just a a dream come true. Like as I say, I had no expectations beyond just trying to write as well as I could and and just to see if I could write a novel. So the, the fact that you know it, it had that kind of reception was. Not something that I was expecting to say the least, but I'm, I'm so thrilled, and it's such an honour to be shortlisted alongside the, you know, the other writers and these awards. So um, I'm still, it's still thinking. <laughs> well, it's definitely well deserved, and Autumn and I, we loved Eleanor. Oh, thank you so much. We got book of the month copies, and then I was listen, I listened to the audiobook, and I was like, Autumn, you need to read this. <laughs> The audiobooks, the narrator's wonderful, isn't she? Yes. Oh, yes. she did a great job. Yeah, I thought she did. She is absolutely yeah. fantastic. Absolutely fantastic, and she—I really, she really captured Eleanor's like narrative voice. Mm-hmm. Some books, you know, you, you most memorable like certain scenes or certain events, but for me, it's just all of Eleanor. It's all of her quirky little things, and she's such a a character under her own. So one of the questions I had was, where did the idea of Eleanor come from? Thank you so much for saying all those lovely things. The the idea came from this was a few years back, and it was from a newspaper article that I read. And it was about loneliness. And uh, I don't know how things are here in the States, but certainly back in the UK, back then, a few years ago, loneliness as a topic wasn't discussed much at all in the media. And if it was, it was generally in the context of older people. Things are getting a lot better now, I'm, I'm glad to say, but certainly back then, it wasn't really a topic you saw much about. And yeah, generally, the issues that it prompted were in, in the context of older people. This uh, newspaper article had an interview with a young woman, a woman in her 20s, and she had a job and an apartment and she lived in a big city. But she said um, she would often leave work on Friday night and then she'd go home and she wouldn't speak to another human being until she went back to work again on Monday morning. And I was really struck by that because it was so unusual to hear a young person's experience articulated in that way. And Mm. also it was so contrary to what the general media portrayal of of the lives of urban 20-something professionals often is that, you know, life's just one big, huge party and um, people are out socialising all the time. And uh, I'm sure life is like that for lots of people, but I'm sure it's not like that for lots of people too and and not through choice and because of anyone's anyone's fault. So I, I started thinking, how could someone find themselves living that kind of life not by choice and and through no fault of their own and that was the little um, seed that the character and then the story of Eleanor Olsen eventually grew out of, I think. I think that it was one thing that struck me when I was reading it was how everyone perceived Eleanor one way. Mm-hmm. Like they interpreted her circumstances one way and her life was completely different. And it made me think about how often I've been quick to judge people or make decisions about people based mm-hmm. off of like some encounter I had with them. But the truth of the matter is, you know, you actually know nothing about that person yeah. at all. I think we all do that. It's a very human thing to do, just to to make a very quick judgment and not take the time to think, 
I wonder why that person behaved in that way or why they said that thing they said. But that's why I chose, one of the reasons I chose to write the novel in the first person, because rarely, uniquely, <laughs> that way you can have a 360-degree view of a character's motivations and their thought processes. And so we as readers, hopefully, because we have that 360-degree view of Eleanor, we can understand why she says the things she says and, and some her behaviours, and we see that they're not motivated. You know, <laughs> She doesn't mean to be offensive to her colleagues. She doesn't mean to be rude. But they don't mm-hmm. know that because they don't have the luxury of seeing inside her head and understanding why she behaves in the way that she does. So uh, hopefully that is a, that first-person narrative allows the reader to empathise with the character in a way that it's very difficult sometimes to do in real life, as I say, because you don't have access to to all that information. Yeah, absolutely. Does and that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And the thing I loved about Eleanor is, like, you know, she's funny. Like, she's very literal, but she's very funny. And even though her story is kind of sad, like, it is. <laughs> I, I was giggling while I was reading it. <laughs> I'm glad so, to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so even like, so talking about her voice, like, how did you, how did, you, what was your process for coming up with her voice? Like, what was your process like? Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it made you laugh because. Um, yeah, when I was writing it, I did make myself laugh sometimes as well, even if it was 5 a.m. in the morning and I was... <laughs> it's hard to laugh at that time in the morning. It is for me anyway, before I've had my coffee. So, uh, yeah, it was because she's such a fun character to write because she has... Because of that voice, because she has no filters and... Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a really interesting challenge to to try and capture her voice. It, it's a completely character driven novel, I think. So the voice is absolutely key. Uh, but there's not really much plot in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, someone gets their hair cut, someone goes to a funeral. It's not it's not the most roller coaster ride of a plot in that sense. So it's it's completely driven by by the character. Once I had fixed her voice in my head, the rest just um, flowed from that. That drove the narrative, really, the narrative arc of the novel, her voice. And I was also laughing while I was reading it, and I loved the way that she would question why people did certain Mm -hmm. things. She pointed out some of the ridiculous uh, social customs that people have to, like, interact with each other. And when you sit back and you think about it, you're like, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) why... Like, why do we feel like we have to, like, if he buys me a drink, do I have to buy him a drink? No, I don't want to sit here and talk to you, so I'm not going to buy you a drink. And I was like, that is a good question, Eleanor. Why do we do this? It's, well, again, that was so fun to write, just trying to step back and think. She's almost, It's almost like she's newly hatched from an egg, you know, with everything in yeah. the whole world is new to her. So just trying to see that world through her eyes and think, what what would this be like if I was genuinely seeing this for the first time as an adult? Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Speaking of her doing quirky things, a, a lot of Eleanor's co-workers, you know, as we've mentioned, they, they know very little about her and they know that she dresses strangely and she's kind of odd um, and they treat her uh, pretty poorly, especially in the in the beginning of the novel when we just see her and like we, we come into her life and we start viewing what she's doing and different things. So why do you think that her co-workers were so hesitant or so reluctant to accept her the way she was as opposed to as she makes some changes in the novel? That's a really good question. Um, I think it's maybe going back to what we discussed before, just the the fact that it's human nature to make quite quick 
judgments or assessments of people uh, based on the limited information that you have about them. To be fair to her co-workers in this novel, she she is quite a prickly character and, and she yeah. she doesn't make much of an effort to reach out to them either um, for reasons that we come to understand as we find out more about Eleanor and why she is the way she is. Um, but I think the, the, the key co-worker character is Raymond. The characteristics that I wanted to to ascribe to him, the, the most important thing for him was firstly kindness and secondly being non-judgmental and um, those are the key characteristics that help him to start connect with, with Eleanor and help her start to connect with him more importantly. He, he is, of all her co-workers, he's the one who doesn't judge her immediately and who gives her the benefit of the doubt when her behaviour seems quite uh, rude, I guess. And the relationship grows from that. So I guess I was trying to explore the effects of kindness um, as displayed by this character, Raymond, when he interacts with Eleanor. I I really liked the theme of kindness in this book as well, because I feel like it's a topic that's really underappreciated in books. Hmm, Yeah. And I I think um, it doesn't have to be, you know, I wanted to show that very tiny acts of kindness can be completely transformative if they happen at the right time and they're performed by the right person for the right person. And, uh, you know, without giving away anything for people who haven't read the novel, that, you know, that's something that we see uh, with Eleanor when, when we see what happens to her over the course of this novel. But the, these acts of kindness are very small things. All the things that happen in the novel that end up being transformative are small things that anyone can do. It doesn't have to be, you know, some huge gesture or, you know, they're very tiny little things, but they can completely transform people's lives. So you mentioned Raymond. I'm glad that you brought him up because I think he's a fascinating character. Some of the characters, Raymond and Sam in particular, um, finally kind of help Eleanor get out of her shell and open up her life and what do you, what is it about them in particular that that help her come out of her shell a little bit? Yeah, I think particularly with Raymond, as I say, his uh, his defining characteristics are, apart from being quite scruffy, uh, he's he's really kind and he's non-judgmental, and these these are two things that Eleanor needs at the point in her life when we encounter her in the novel. And those are the things that help her to start to make some of the changes that she needs to make. Um, I think the character of Raymond is he's uh, not a particularly attractive man. He's, you know, he's never going to turn heads or anything. Right. He's, he's, really, he's really decent. He's really decent, kind, thoughtful, honest. Um, I think there are lots of Raymonds in the world, but they don't tend to get uh, featured in fiction very much. Mm-hmm. Um, he... he doesn't judge Eleanor when he meets her. He's ha- he know he he takes her as he finds her, and and he, he's fine with her as she is. But also he's happy to support her when she does decide to make some changes. So uh, that's that's really something that she she needs to help her on that journey. Um, I also really wanted to explore the idea of platonic friendship between men and women, looking at um, Eleanor and. And Raymond in in the context of the novel, because I think platonic friendship between men and women is something that's pretty common in real life. But again, it's not something that you come across in fiction very often. Right. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to, to try and explore that too.
And I really appreciate how you explored that because there's all of these expectations when, you know, two single people uh, of any age almost, uh, once you reach maturity, get together and it's like, you know, where is this going to go and and different things. And then the focus that you had was on just him trying to almost illustrate friendship to her so that she could have Mm -hmm. something to refer back to Um, because we haven't mentioned this yet, but Eleanor hasn't always had friendship in her life. And so having um, Raymond to illustrate that to her just has almost a transformative effect on her. And watching that throughout the book, you can see like, you know, her character arc. I love that you mentioned it's a character driven novel because the entire novel is just focused on Eleanor and her uh, experience, just learning new things about the world. So even though you, you take these simple concepts and you turn them into an entire novel. So did you ever feel daunted that, you know, maybe you had gone too simple or that you hadn't gone simple enough? Or was there any figuring that out as you're in your writing process? That's a really good question. I suppose, I mean, yeah, I haven't actually thought about that before, but I suppose it was risky because if the character didn't work, if the voice wasn't right, then, I mean, the novel stands or falls on that as, because, as you say, the 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 actual um, minutiae of what the character does every day isn't what's going to keep people turning the pages necessarily. So, if the if the character if the voice isn't right and the character isn't right, then that then the whole thing probably wouldn't have worked. That's a really interesting question. I didn't I didn't think about that while I was writing it. I was just so I was just trying so hard to to capture that voice and to. I didn't plot out the novel before I started, so I knew where where it was going to start, and then I knew there's a piece of information revealed right at the very end, and I knew that piece of information. But I I, I won't say any more. But I didn't know how I was going to get from page one to that piece of information being revealed at the end before I started writing. So I guess that I was too busy. I was and my my main occupation in writing was was working all that out. Um, rather than than worrying about whether the plot was exciting enough in that sense, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. sounds like a very natural process. I um, it it was quite. Na- I think um, yeah, it, it felt certainly for the first couple of drafts, it, and because it's my first novel, I didn't. It was all quite exploratory for me, really, just work, working out how to do this, so or trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the last relationships in the book that we actually haven't talked about is that in the beginning, Eleanor falls in love with this musician, a local musician named Johnny, and she thinks he's his soulmate or that he's her soulmate. And even though they've never met and like she has this fantasy relationship with her with him in her head and it's an only an online relationship, you know, she stalks him on Twitter and all this stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't new, but how do you think that social media has affected these fantasy, romantic, idealistic kind of relationships? Um, that's a, that's another really difficult question. <laughs> I think with Eleanor's for Eleanor's relationship with Johnny, what I wanted to show there was that her character, although she's twenty nine when we first meet her in the novel, because of things that are revealed about her past. And what's happened to her in her life? I emotionally, the character is about I, I thought maybe fourteen or so, thirteen or fourteen, fifteen. So she's very immature, and so the 
it's basically a sort of crush that she has on this musician and the sort of thing that most people grow out of but it still feels very intense when you're when you're 14 and you've got a poster of your favorite singer on your wall and that kind of thing and I wanted to contrast that with for example so the musician contrasted with Raymond so although I don't think it's being too harsh to say no one's ever going to have a poster of Raymond on their wall. Um, he's a, he's a, he's, he has the kind of qualities that are more important than wearing cool shoes or having an amazing haircut, which are the things that first draw Eleanor to the musician. And it's part of her, part of the process that she starts to work through over the course of the novel to come to appreciate that. And I think especially with social media, it's so easy to get I guess to get like caught up in the hype of it all, especially yeah, with like celebrity think, crushes and stuff too. Yeah, and I think with Eleanor, because because she's all, it's all new to her as well, I think it helps her quick, very quickly establish a, a very false sense of knowing him because mm-hmm. she can look at photographs of, you know, what he's doing or where he's been, or she can read his posts, and that makes her think that she knows him or knows more about him than than she actually does. So it's a, it's a very false sense of intimacy, I guess, that, that she takes from that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we could talk about Eleanor Oliphant, it's completely fine, for a very long time. But, we, but before you go, we wanted to ask you a couple questions. And one of the ones we love to ask authors we have on the podcast is who are some of your favorite female authors? I love... Kate Atkinson's writing. I think she's just a wonderful writer. Um, she's got a new novel coming out this year, I think, which I'm very excited about. I I love Nina Stibbe. Um, she writes really charming, funny comic novels. Um, this one called Man at the Helm. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so I, I just think her writing is just delightful. I read a lot of 19th century fiction so the Bronte sisters I read Jane Austen I just read um Jennifer Egan Manhattan Beach I thought that was wonderful and um I, I love her writing Um, I thought Visit from the Goon Squad was wonderful as well she's so talented she does um, everything right yeah I know <laughs> it's, it's um you just think how can she top Visit from the Goon Squad and, and then it's with a, a, a beautiful classical historical novel so yeah we also like to ask authors if there's anything that they're working on right now that they like to share with us. Um, and if you don't, that's fine. But we always like to ask. Um, I am working on a new novel right now, but because I'm right in the middle of it, I probably prefer not to talk about it Absolutely. in detail. Not because it's a secret or anything. It's just because I'm still kind of working it out in myself. So uh, yeah. Absolutely. But, well, it's still yeah. exciting to know, you know, there's more on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, we just want to say thank you so much, Gail, for talking to us this morning. And everyone needs to go out and buy a copy of Eleanor Oliphant. It's completely fine. So thank you for talking to us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. So wasn't this wasn't Gail just a joy to talk to? She really was. It's no surprise that such a delightful person wrote such a delightful book. It's true. 
It's true. And I love the way that she approached a loneliness and wanted to feature what that could look like and also uh, the effects of PTSD on a person and just how that would affect a person as a whole. And I really liked how she pointed out that emotionally Eleanor was a much younger age uh, than she was physically. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that made a lot of the book click into place for me. Absolutely. And I know that after I finished the book, it really, I thought about it for a couple of days afterwards, just like, how do I interact with people? What are some of the snap judgments I make about people? And maybe how can I, you know, adjust that a little bit? Because who knows what people are going through? So I really appreciated that she tackled such an important issue in this book. And so that's our show. Again, we'd like to thank Gail Honeyman for talking to us about Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine and it is now out in paperback as I mentioned from Pamela Dorman books so if you're going to the beach later this summer definitely pick up a copy of this one to take with you and you can find Gail on Twitter at Gail Honeyman and you can see what other people are saying about Eleanor with the hashtag Eleanor Oliphant. We will also have linked to her books and her book tour dates because she's on her US tour right now in our show notes. So if she's coming to your area, be sure to go and see her. And as for us, you can find Reading Women on social media at The Reading Women. You can find Kendra at KD Winchester and me at Autumn Privet. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon.